his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Okay, three, two, one, hit it. It's the Chris and Amy Show. You know who it is. Also, if you didn't know, this is called the show. Now, Amy Marks scores Chris Ranji on KMOX. Good morning, friends. It is Tuesday, November 21st. We're getting ready for uh, Thanksgiving. I almost said uh, Halloween. (laughs) We're way past that, aren't we? We are so far away from from Halloween, I think. Uh, Amy Marks, Kors, and Chris Ranji, good to have you with us. Is your microphone not working again? Oh, hey. Amy, how you doing? Okay. Uh, we want to hear from you today. 314-436-7900. That is the way that you can uh, reach us. You can text or call. You can leave us a voicemail at 314-944-1120. Hello. Oh, there you are. It's great to be with you today. Oh, my gosh. Didn't we, think I was going to make it. Uh, we have gremlins in the system sometimes, if don't we? If the microphone had not gone on, would I have been able to go home? No, well, we we would have done the same. Shared a mic, like like what they do on stage, where two people sing into the same microphone. We would have done that, that for would, the entire morning. That would have been super cute, super cute. Three one four nine four four eleven twenty to leave us a voicemail, and we are on all those social media platforms uh, at Chris Amy K M O X. Uh, you don't worry about the top three today. We're not doing the top three today. Oh, really? I've, yeah, I've decided totally against it. Why? Because it's a holiday week. You can't just erase the top three. I didn't stop you yesterday. Three. I know. Yeah. I know. We'll bring it back tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> what is going on with oh, you? What do you mean? What's going on with you? Do you have a bad attitude? I have the, I, uh, I have the best attitude. But why are we not doing a top three? We can. Well, here's what happened. It's not in front of me, and I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I can give you. Do you have it? No, but I know what we're talking okay. about. All right. Let's do the top three, then. Okay, let's do it. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby will be addressing the accusations of, quote, genocide Joe. Also, <laughs> I'm not joking. That's not funny. No. It's also, just Bill he's Mercer, he's a former reporter in Dallas, broadcaster. He was the guy that talked to, questioned Lee Harvey Oswald at the Dallas police station immediately following the assassination of John F. Kennedy and Fox 2 News anchor and reporter Andy Banker. He was attacked. He was shot with 
pellet guns while he was reporting on a story yesterday, uh, a story out on the streets. A car drove by. Thankfully, he is okay, but he will be joining us as well. What an absolutely wild thing that is. And I know it's not totally unheard of. Stuff like that does happen, but... It's still shocking, yeah. and thankfully it wasn't a real weapon. He well, could have been seriously injured. But they do have the license plate of the vehicle, I th- I think. Um, they'll be able to figure out who did that, hopefully, if the I, car wasn't stolen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if these were young people. But here's the thing, and I believe this was that the sheriff or a, a police officer said this on Twitter in response to the post that Andy Baker made. Uh, about being shot with a pellet gun is listen what first of all that's dangerous a crime in and of itself but if these were kids if these were young, these were young people using pellet guns what's to stop them from switching to a gun tomorrow or it could have been a gun for whatever reason so this is such a dangerous situation that needs to be addressed yeah just it it's absolutely wild that stuff happens like that and i i, I know it does um but we Every little bit of anything like that that happens, it's like I inside die a little bit more mm-hmm. because I very much care about St. Louis. Yeah, I, I don't know how you couldn't. I live yeah. here. How could you not care about this city? Even if you live in St. Charles, how could you not care about this city? Because as we talked about yesterday, St. Louis City is the heart of of this region. Mm-hmm. And if St. Louis City dies, the region dies too. So we have Michael to care. Cal- Michael Calhoun says no city can survive as a donut. Oh yeah, well yeah. It's um the the one that I've always liked is you can't be a suburb of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And that's what we could become if we don't figure out our stuff. Yeah. And we talked a little bit yesterday. In fact, a lot yesterday about and really I guess going back to last week Some of the issues that we have in city leadership, and there are plenty of them, it seems like there is incompetence or it's uh, willful negligence, whatever it is. And it's not all of the city leaders, because I do think there are some who really truly want to do right by this city, Mm -hmm. but maybe don't have the resources or feel handcuffed or don't feel like they have enough help from the inside. Whatever the case may be, we have to make this area better and every little thing like that that happens it's it's it feels like a taking a five steps backward after taking one step forward kind of thing Mm -hmm. even though it's it's one little incident nobody was seriously hurt thankfully but it's just when that happens it gives fuel to everybody in the area to say see st louis is a piece of crap yeah st louis sucks and that's why it's stuff like that i told you that's why i don't ever want to go down there yeah and and the thing is in so many ways unfortunately in more ways than i'd like to admit i think st louis lives up to its bad reputation a lot of times if you're a city that can't enforce simple traffic codes red lights stop signs being run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so that being a pedestrian is incredibly dangerous. Uh, You are seeing murders in the heart of downtown in the middle of the day. And that's different. That That is a huge red flag that the city is moving in the wrong direction because people can say we've always had crime. We have always had crime. We have. But even, you know, Charlie Brennan, Kevin Colleen, who've been covering the city, those who've been at KMOX forever, 
in the 90s, it wasn't downtown. The heart of downtown was a lot more bustling and a lot more safe than it is now. It's safer than it is now. We are seeing in front of Enterprise Center at 4 o'clock in the afternoon before a Blues game, someone gets shot. And you can see in the background, while the police are cleaning up the crime scene, there's a family of five smiling and posing in front of the Bernie Federko statue. That type of thing is happening more frequently just in the middle of the day. People get shot, gunshots are fired, cars are driving down the street with guns hanging out the window. That's different. That that has moved in the wrong direction. That needs to be cleaned up. Speaking of cleaning up, the trash. Let's pick up the trash. That goes a long way. When you're a city resident, you should expect and deserve to have the very basic city duties be performed. Your trash is picked up, potholes are filled, you see the occasional police officer. We're failing in a lot of those aspects. Text message to 314-436-7900 says, doesn't it really come down to lack of education, poverty, and poor parenting? Um, I, I think the very foundation of a lot of city problems starts with poverty, and I know a lot of people push back against that idea, but the reality is you don't have really, truly serious, violent crime in areas where it's it's affluent. Mm-hmm. It, it, you just don't. Well, it's, we, it's, we know it, po- that's the, crime that's is the, higher in, that's in the impoverished areas. The problem is, it is a, that's a generational problem that we absolutely have to tackle and we have to take seriously, and we have to figure out a way to help impoverished areas, which will pay off for us down the road. But there are things that we have to do now in the interim to, as you said yesterday, stop the bleeding now. Yes, but some of the things that I mentioned have nothing to do with impoverished areas, like picking up the trash. St. Louis has the money to pick up the trash or fill potholes. That's the job right. of city government. I think this person is talking about the, the kids in the car or whoever it sure. was that did that. Typically, you're not doing stuff like that if you are affluent. You're just not. I mean, in, in general, but also in... In order to better encourage good behavior, you need to have a police presence. And at the very least, you need to have a city that at least acts like it cares. When there's trash everywhere, the streets aren't being maintained, dumpsters are overflowing, and, and I mean, the broken window theory, right, where it looks like nobody cares, why would, you, why would a kid who probably may not have a lot of good influence anyway, maybe they are, are in a home that doesn't have parents' home, why would they care about the city more than the leaders? What would encourage them to make good decisions? I'm not saying that all crime would be fixed if we planted some pots and fixed the potholes. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is showing that you care, that somebody's looking out for that street, for that neighborhood, whether it's the neighbors, the city leaders, or the police officers, does make a difference in deterring crime. Some of what would help the city is more development downtown. And it, it's, I will say this, it's not entirely true that people who are developers have to wait for an area to be rid of crime before they develop. That what That's the very idea of gentrification. That happens everywhere where people see an opportunity, they see a city, they see an, a neighborhood, and they go, we're going to develop that area regardless of, of what's going on right now in terms of crime. And you can make the argument whether or not that's a good thing, 
But I do think that we have to have some some significant development in the city. People who want to take interest in the already existing infrastructure to build, to to put in businesses, to renovate. And it can't just be a building here or there. It has to be everywhere downtown. And I know that's a huge undertaking, and I don't know who's going to do it, but that will be one thing that leads us out of wherever we are right now. The number is 314-436-7900. If you want to visit with us throughout the day, call or text that number. Um, When we come back, uh, John Kirby, uh, you got to hear this. We just want you to hear the audio. This is, uh, it it has been a thing recently over the last several weeks to refer to President Biden as... Yeah, as Genocide Joe. That's what I was going to say. But a thing among certain groups. Uh, A lot of the pro-Palestine protests, you've seen this language. This is not just everybody in general, but specifically the pro-Palestine crowd or anti-Israel crowd is calling Joe Biden Genocide Joe. Right. Yeah. I was going to say that. Well, I was jumping into uh, (laughs) join you with it. That's Chris and Amy on KMOX. Chris and Amy on KMOX, getting close to, uh, I guess today is that travel day. People start to travel for Thanksgiving today. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk to somebody from AAA about what you need to know if you are traveling today or tomorrow. That's coming up in the 12 o'clock hour. Well, yesterday the White House issued a response to what they have called the inappropriate nickname that has been given to President Biden by critics of Israel and critics of support for Israel and the pro-Palestinian marches and such. They are calling him Genocide Joe. And National Security Council spokesman John Kirby uh, took issue with that nickname. But this word genocide is getting thrown around in a pretty inappropriate way by lots of different folks. Uh, What Hamas wants, make no mistake about it, is genocide. They want to wipe Israel off the map. They've said so publicly more than one occasion in fact just recently and they've said that they're not going to stop what happened on the 7th of october is going to happen again and again and again and what happened on the 7th of october murder slaughter of innocent people in their homes or at a music festival that's genocidal intentions yes there are too many civilian casualties in gaza yes the numbers are too high yes too many families are grieving and yes we continue to urge the israelis to be as careful and cautious as possible that's not going to stop from the president right on down but israel is not trying to wipe the palestinian people off the map israel's not trying to wipe gaza off the map israel's trying to defend itself against a genocidal terrorist threat so when we're going to start if we're going to start using that word fine let's use it appropriately So I thought that was, I mean, a very articulate and strong response from John Kirby because you can criticize civilian deaths in Gaza, which John Kirby said. There are too many civilian deaths in Gaza. We see that. Uh, But it is not a genocide. And that is a word that is taken very, very seriously. There's an international legal connotation and definition to the word genocide. And if you recognize, I mean, countries recognize the actions of other countries as genocide. And once they do that, it has real implications. Uh, We know with the Muslim Uyghurs in China, that's a genocide. The Chinese Communist Party, the government in China, 
is going after Uyghur Muslims and systematically torturing and killing and enslaving them. What we're seeing in Gaza is not a genocide. What Hamas wants is, I mean, their charter, the very charter calls for the killing, the murdering of all Jewish people and the erasure of Israel. And we know the leader of Hamas has said, yep, what happened on October 7th will happen again and again. But I do think this is something that needs to be addressed, especially if we are people who say that words matter. Throwing it around and calling the president of the United States genocide Joe is a mockery of the word and trivializes the horrors that occurred on October 7th at the hands of Hamas terrorists and minimizes and, if if anything, ignores the actual genocidal intentions of Hamas. I think it is it is absolutely uh, reasonable to be watching from the outside and see the amount of innocent Palestinian citizens who are caught up in bombing, who um, who are killed, children that are killed. Um, what, what's happening in some of the hospitals in Gaza, and look at that and say, okay, that is not good, and that's not good enough, and that's not what needs to be happening. It is. It, it shows a lack of understanding, however, to refer to this president as uh, genocidal because we're supporting Israel, and you can absolutely criticize Benjamin Netanyahu and his government and the way they've gone about going after Hamas and that they have probably put a lot of innocent people in harm's way um, in, in a way that they should not have done it. And this probably could have been done a whole lot more carefully, but it wasn't. You can make that argument, and that is a good argument. But it is not a good argument to say it the way people who are mostly on the left, like you said, who are who don't want any more killing to happen, and all they see is the killing. They they just see the death, and they say, "Well, then he must be genocidal." That's ridiculous. It, that's that's it. It shows a fundamental misunderstanding of what is actually happening. But again, if you want to criticize Netanyahu for the way he's gone about this, absolutely do it. If you want to look at genocidal numbers, the Jewish population in Europe in 1933 was over 10 million. By the 70s, 80s, and 90s, less than 2 million. The Jewish population in Arab and Muslim countries, over 1 million in 1948, a handful, a few thousand today. On the other hand, the Palestinian population in Gaza, the West Bank, and Israel went from 500,000 in 1940 to over 4.5 million in 2020. It's, in fact, one of the fastest-growing populations. It's not a genocide. There's no genocide happening of the Palestinian people in that area. In Syria... And the Assad government and Iran, that was genocide. That's what we should be looking at, what's happening in Syria. And to, I, I, just, I don't think people know history well enough. They don't. I don't they, they just don't pay attention until it becomes trendy. That's and, and exactly right. Th- that's kind of what is going on now. And I do fault them for that. You, I, I fault any individual citizen for not really paying attention to news or getting your news from places you shouldn't. Getting it from, uh, you know, 30-second TikToks. That kind of thing. That's that is not responsible. But people, you can't. I don't know how you force them to have a better media diet you because can't. They, hey, there are older people who have terrible media diets. A lot of them text us and they, <laughs> and they send me links, yeah, and I go, "How is this what you're looking at?" Um, it, I don't know how to fix that problem though. And I will say this: if, if someone's calling for a ceasefire, people are upset with what's going on in Gaza. 
Tell Hamas to release the hostages. Speaking release of, the hostages. Speaking of that, there has been diplomacy efforts uh, to release them. As of earlier today, 50 hostages expected to be released over a four-day ceasefire. Israel is hoping that total number reaches up to 80. So we'll see what actually happens. I don't believe this has been officially announced, but there's been a lot of discussion about it this morning. I think Biden was saying yesterday he hoped so. Yes. Today there could be, from what I understand, there could be an official announcement that this is a done deal and we're going to get these hostages home. Not all of them, but hopefully up to 80. This struck me as odd. And they asked him while he was pardoning the Thanksgiving turkey. Well, uh, I guess like if that's the only time you have access. But but it was. I I think if you have access to the president, I don't think it matters what the event is. I think you have to ask. No, I agree. I think it's it's not. I'm not upset that they asked. I think I'm more of the whole turkey. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's just, oh, my gosh. That's the tradition, man. Uh, Chris and Amy here on KMOX. When we come back, we will talk to former reporter from Dallas, Bill Mercer. He was in the Dallas police station when they arrested Lee Harvey Oswald. And he actually spoke to him, asked him a question. We will talk to him next on KMOX. Chris and Amy on KMOX. It is November 21st, 2023. Tomorrow will be the 60th anniversary of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. And to discuss what was going on in the immediate aftermath of that and how media changed as well, uh, we go to the Quiver River Electric guest line, Bill Mercer, was a reporter for KRLD Television in Dallas. He was a sports broadcaster for a long time, Um, author of a book called Play by Play, Tales from a Sports Broadcaster Insider. And we are talking now with Bill Mercer this morning. Bill, thank you for being with us on KMOX. How are you? Well, it's great, Chris. I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah, we. so I've I've always been fascinated by what happened that day. And you were in the Dallas police station broadcasting live 
while while Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested, he was inside the police station. I've seen plenty of footage of it. What was it like being in that building at that time? Because from from the footage I've seen, it was just absolute madness. <laughs> yeah, it, it got to be pretty maddening in there with several. It looked like several hundred outside reporters coming in from all over the country, and uh, I had uh, been on the new news at the time Kennedy was shot. And then in the evening, uh, they, I went over to the police station on the third floor, and that was when we had uh, the first news live report on KRLD-TV. We put a camera on the third floor, and uh, I uh, walked around interviewing everybody I could find about anything, and uh, saw Harvey, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald come in, and Mrs. Oswald, and his mother, and uh, a lot of other people. So it was uh, it was a long evening. It was uh, uh, certainly one of the most interesting things I'd ever done. And it ended with that uh, famed uh, press conference. <clears throat> In that moment, how much were you certain of regarding the condition, the death of the president, uh, who had shot him? Was it more certainty than we would expect or more chaos? Uh, let's see. Uh, at that time, uh, I uh, I would say we were pretty well sure that Oswald, in that evening, uh, was the one who shot the president. Uh, we had uh, that was not factual, and I couldn't. Uh, I just always said, "Here's a man char. Here's a man they think is the one who shot uh, Oswald uh, Kennedy." Uh, but he had shot Tippett, the officer, earlier in the afternoon, and then they captured him, uh, Jerry Hill and Arch McDonald, uh, two policemen, two friends of ours, captured him at the Texas Theater. They brought him in, and uh, my first reaction was, this is a sorry-looking guy. <laughs> he, does, he doesn't look like a killer, but uh, and he was kind of mousy-looking and kept kind of whining that they police had hit him, but uh, we didn't know for sure for a long time that he was the one who did it. You mentioned it just a few moments ago, Bill Mercer. There was this moment in the press conference. I want to play it just uh, real quick here. Did you kill the president? No, I've not been charged with that. In fact, nobody has said that to me yet. The first thing I heard about it was when the newspaper reporters in the hall uh, asked me that question. You have been. Nobody said what? Sir? You have been. Nobody said what? Okay, so, so in that moment, what happens is something that's really astonishing, and you would not even think that would occur today. They bring him into a room for a press conference, and right. the expectation is there weren't going to be questions. One reporter says something about being charged with murder, and then you follow up and say to him, you have been charged with murder. That was the first time he heard that, right? Yeah, because uh, when I came down to that room, I was a little late, and one of the detectives came out of their room, detective charge room, and say, hey, Bill, we're charging uh, Oswald with the murder of the president, and if you can use it sometime, fine. If you can use it sometime, fine. I said, okay, and then went on down and uh, got my microphone and moved in very close to the uh, stage there where... Uh, Oswald was, and you heard 
that first reporter asking if he'd been charged with murder or anything. He said no. And that's what I asked him, even with the crash of that can or whatever it was. I said, yes, you have been charged with the murder of the president. And he looked at me like, huh? And I said, you have been charged with the murder of the president. And it also looked like uh, kind of the wind went out of him. Yeah, that's what it like. Uh, he was surprised right. by that. That's why I can't get past that, that he just he well, was shocked. Well, nobody. I was the only. It turned out but the detective telling me that he'd been charged and I was down there. I happened to be the only guy in the basement who knew he had been charged. So so I was the first one to tell Oswald that he had been charged, which was, a, you know, one of those circumstances. How did you know that he had been charged. How were you the only one who knew? Well, as I said, I was coming down from my office, and uh, one of the detectives came out of the detective's charge room and told me, we're charging Bill, we're charging Oswald with the murder of the president. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And he said, if you want to use it sometime, it's okay. So I had, a, I had the information, and I had the right to use the story from my source, and that's how I knew that he had been charged. Well, and you were right there on the ground. You and your team, you were the ones providing all the news and the footage to Walter Cronkite and CBS News, right? Well, yeah, we didn't have much of a team. I was the only one over there uh, in the police station, but we did have, for the first time ever, live reporting from the police station to our station. We just got a new videotape machine, and then we sent it on to CBS News in New York. Bill Mercer, former reporter for KRLD Television in Dallas, who was in the police station when Lee Harvey Oswald was brought in. Were you there when Jack Ruby was being walked in through the garage and was ultimately shot? Uh, no, no. Okay. I, uh, that was, I, I did not. Bob Huffaker, uh, one of the authors of our book, When the News Went Live, and uh, uh, George Phoenix, the photographer, had uh, taken my duty over to a police station. Uh, that was an interesting coincidence. Jack Ruby loved the Kennedys, and he had talked to Wes Wise uh, the day before about how it was terrible that the Kennedy children had to suffer this and so on. Then the next day, the day they were going to move uh, Oswald, he uh, went to the Western Union office down the street to send some money to one of his uh, employees. He came up the street and found that the uh, back door to the police station was open, was unlocked. He went in and he stood between Bob and uh, our uh, photographer. Ruby had a permit to carry a gun and loved to uh, associate with the police. So nobody really paid much attention to it. And then when uh, Oswald walked out the uh, uh, runway to get to the car to go be transferred, Ruby stepped out and shot and killed him. Just that that is, I, I can't. I mean, nowadays, nothing like that would ever happen. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think somebody would be allowed in, um, even if they were familiar with the police department. The well, he he really sneaked in, yeah, because they were they were stopping police. The one cop was out there stopping traffic, 
And Oswald, I mean, uh, Ruby knew the police station so well that he just stepped through that in door that nobody was covering. One thing I am absolutely fascinated by, uh, Bill, as it pertains to that day and the, the immediate few days after, after the assassination occurred, is that's really the first time that, a, that news stations went 24-hour live coverage on an event. Mm-hmm. And, and you were part of that as well. Your station was, was covering it live as it happened. Um, right. Did... did did you realize that you were in the moment when that was all going on, that you were part of what would eventually lead to the way the news cycle is now, where it's 24 <laughs> hours all the time? No, we just realized that we had something new. Because, you know, before that, it had been film cameras and uh, and talking on telephones to uh, get any information. And so they, they put the camera up there and they said, we're, we're going to shoot this live. And I said, okay, fine. And, uh, but I just forgot about it. I had work to do and I went over and interviewed everybody I could. And then we went to the basement and that was the most important part of that telling for me was I had the fact to tell, uh, Oswald that he had been charged with murder. Uh, it was, uh, of course, all over the country. And I heard for relatives from everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Did, how did that day affect you? Because like you said, you had work to, day, to do. You were just doing your job. But afterwards, when you went home, did you decompress at all? Yeah, it was kind of like uh, uh, Oswald. Well, you let the air out of the balloon and you sit there and stare at the wall for a while, realizing what's happened, that you've been reporting it and it, it really it really affected us, but we couldn't show any emotion when we were reporting. Uh, the Several of us who were out there, friends of mine, all the reporters, you just did your job. Uh, Bob Huffaker was interviewing one of the uh, congressmen and who broke into tears, and Bob, uh, he had to hold it. You know, he couldn't say anything. Uh, he couldn't show any tears. So it was a, it was a real stretch for something we've never been involved in before. Last week, Bill, we talked to Clint Hill, who was the Secret Service agent for Jacqueline Kennedy, uh, was there in the motorcade when it all went down, and he did not really, does not really, think much of the conspiracy stuff. And there's been... Oh, I don't either. Yeah, that's no. why, that was my question to you. No, this conspiracy stuff. There's a new one out now about somebody shot him from the front. If you see the film and it blew the back of his head off, how can it had nothing to do with a bullet in the front anyway, and there was nobody over there to shoot it. So that's silly. I've heard another one recently that they don't know where Jack Kennedy's brain is. Somebody stole his brain. That's a bunch of, you know, it's just, it gets to be so darn stupid. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's the sentiment from a lot of mm-hmm. people who were there, who were either covering it or were part of the event in some way. Yeah, um, it, uh, Bill, I, I appreciate we appreciate your time. I am absolutely fascinated by your career. You mm-hmm. did this. You were there for this monumental event, and then you go on to cover sports for <laughs> for years, broadcasting for the Cowboys and the White Sox and wrestling. Just a just a fascinating career of yours. Well, thank you. It- 
and I just happened to be there and doing these things at the right time, I guess. And now they've got a movie out about the wrestling, and they got that great uh, uh, um, uh, uh, program from uh, uh, BBC or uh, National Geographic on the three hour uh, Kennedy assassination. So, yeah, it's uh, you look back at it and my goodness. <laughs> I know, right? That's a that's a. Oh my goodness! I was there. Yeah, you, you were, were everywhere. What? The ice bowl. You were broadcasting the, the ice, ice bowl. Oh, the ice bowl! That was my. <laughs> that's my greatest football game to survive. <laughs> that's that's right. incredible. Fantastic. And then you worked with our friend Jay Randolph, who came to St. Louis. Oh yes, Jay, dear old Jay. And we worked together a while, and uh, uh, I did the White Sox a little bit. Yep. I understand you were with the White Sox, Chris, for a I, while. I, I was for about ten years doing some some radio stuff with them. So, oh, good. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. I got, uh, I got. Uh, they took me away from the Rangers uh, because they offered me Harry Carey's job in two years. Well, <laughs> they said you come up here and you'll take Harry's place. So I spent two years there, and I got a new contract, as they said, and then. <laughs> The ball club went bankrupt. Well, and... <laughs> some they still kind of act like they're bankrupt, Bill. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, nothing's changed. Uh, Bill Mercer, it was really awesome to talk to you. Thank you so much for visiting with us today. Hey, it's a pleasure talking to somebody from KMOX, <laughs> one of my favorite radio stations. Oh, awesome. Thank, Th- you, thank so you, Bill. Much. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, That is Bill Mercer, former reporter for KRLD Television in Dallas. He was there for what was a just a a monumental American event and also a fascinating sports career. Wow. So, uh, Chris and Amy, we've got more coming up with you here on KMOX. Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. you got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. There's no way you could have known that. Now, did you see this with Chris and Amy on the show? Well, this news just crossing, oh, about uh, less than 10 minutes ago, Amy Marks Coors. This is from Jeff Passan at ESPN. Okay. The San Diego Padres are hiring Mike Schilt as their new manager. He's been a senior advisor for them. He takes over for Bob Melvin, who left to manage the Giants this winter. So uh, Mike Schilt has a managerial job again with the Padres. Wow. Well, I don't know if you saw this, maybe not as significant, but a uh, police officer pulled a gun on a fellow police officer who threatened to spoil Top Gun Maverick. So apparently one police officer in Sydney, Australia has pleaded guilty to carrying a firearm with disregard because one of his colleagues saw the movie and said, I'll spoil it for you. This police officer responded by saying, don't spoil the movie, I'll shoot you. At which point he got out his gun and pointed it at him. And apparently everybody was laughing and then it did not turn into a joke. Everyone's okay, but the other police officer, the one who was threatened, he said he has completely lost the trust he had for the police force. Which, okay, I mean, I don't know why he's saying the whole police force is bad, but he did get 100 hours. The the uh, suspect, the the guilty party, did get 100 hours of community service and a recorded conviction. 
Oh. I feel like well, you would be on the side of the guilty party on I this. I kind of am. I am on the side of the guy who pulled the gun. Saying, don't spoil it for Do me. Do not spoil the, the movie for me. I mean, also, Although, when did this Top happen? Gun Maverick. When did this happen? Well, it happened earlier. Earlier uh, like, this year? Yeah. Or? This is that just, movie's been out for a while. No, I know. It happened when the movie came out, like a while ago, but now the whole court case oh, I see. Yes, I is gotcha. happening. I got gotcha. Because it takes time. Justice takes time. Justice does take time. She's very um, deliberate, Lady Justice. Well, that's what Amy thinks of the Mike Schilt news. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike Schilt has a new manager. Yeah, did you hear about this cop who almost... Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, let's discuss Lance Lynn a little more, shall we? Well, people are not happy about that. <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, what a crazy news story. Lance Lynn, one year. Amy doesn't care about the card. Amy doesn't care about the Cardinals. We I it. do care. Chris and Amy on KMOX. One of us cares. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. <laughs> But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.